Praise God. You may be seated. Well, the book says instant in season and out of season. And uh, I didn't expect to be talking to you tonight, but uh, I appreciate the opportunity. It's never ceased to amaze me over these last 48 years of ministry um, how easy it is uh, for people to have completely unbiblical expectations for God and for their life. I was in um, Graysonville today on the Eastern Shore at our daughter work there and uh, I talked to them a little bit about uh, <laughs> learning to handle positively and spiritually what's going on in our world. If you were at Antioch United last Sunday night, you, I preached about this. Uh, in my prayer, I cannot get away from this. We, uh, I totally, 100% agree with what Pastor Joel Wright has said tonight. The problem is never what's happened to us. It's our reaction to what's happened to us. I don't have control. The, mo the greatest deception in this world is the idea that any of us control our lives. Unless you can guarantee me what's going to happen from fi in five minutes from now, you're not in control. The Lord never intended for you to be in control. He never intended for you to be. Never intended for me to be. He intended that we trust him as our father. That's the intent. And I have spent many years <laughs> thinking that to accomplish something in God, we've got to make it happen. Some of you were here back then. But uh, one Sunday night during my 38th year of life, I was sitting in the office preparing for Sunday night church that night and uh, was experiencing some chest pains. And my wife called for one of the nurses in the church. She came in and I told her what I was feeling. She said, call the ambulance right now. So that night, instead of being lead in a church service and preaching that night, I was laying in the emergency room at 38, hooked up to IVs and EKGs. They did all these tests. And uh, scheduled a stress test 
two days afterwards. And after it was all over, the, doc the doctor said, Preacher or Reverend, you have the heart of an athlete. But wherever the source is, this stress is coming from, it's going to kill you. He said, stress can kill you just as easily as heart disease. I mean, probably about 80% of the people in this room would love to have my vitals. My normal blood pressure is right around 110 over 65. And if you check my pulse right now, it would be below 70 standing here right now. Not one number. <laughs> Not one number is abnormal. Most of my numbers are on the low side of normal. In fact, my, mo my mother-in-law, who's a diabetic several years ago, she was living in Mississippi, and we were down preaching in the uh, apostolic conference that we just were at uh, in Mississippi, and she came by the hotel room to visit us, and she said, Chet, she's the only one in this world allowed to call me that, and that's because she's my elder. My name is Chester, period, end of story. Okay? And she said, I'm really worried about all these sweets you eat. I've got this new blood sugar tester. Let me try it. Sure, no problem. Well, if you know anything about blood sugar numbers, uh, I think normal's like, what, 110, 120 over that 80 is the low side, right? I don't know what she thought she was going to find, but she tested mine, and, and uh, it was all the way up to 78. She said, your, your blood is below normal. Your blood sugar is below normal. I said, I know it, and I got some medicine for it right here. And I went over and got me some Oreo cookies and <laughs> ate them, you see. The, the <laughs> stress is my reaction to things that I don't like the way they're going, and I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to control that. Most people who have stress that are spiritual, they, they, even those, there are people that pray a lot who aren't spiritual. Because the purpose of their prayer is to get God, twist God's arm, to get him to change his mind and fix the stuff they don't like. I'm not a fatalist. It means I don't just say, well, whatever will be, will be, whatever. No, I have a heavenly father. He's in control. I can trust him with what happens in my life, and I don't need to react negatively. He knows what's best. He's no, he knows what, what's best. And anything that he allows in my life that's going to help me get to heaven is good, even if I call it bad. I may call it bad because I don't like it. But if he calls it good because the purpose of it is good, <laughs> we were in a situation 
recently where a dad stepped in and wouldn't let his son, who was not a minor, uh, be instructed in the job he was in. And we were dealing with it, and my sons came to me and said, you know what you would have done in the same situation? <laughs> I waited because I knew what I would have done, and so did they. You would have said to us, okay, how much of these complaints are true? And fix them. But that's not what was done, you see. I have learned the hard way all these years that so many kids don't end up living like they're supposed to because the parents are vicariously living through their children to protect them from what they went through. And so therefore, they always take their child's word over the person in authority without even giving the person in authority an opportunity to tell their side of it. You know what you do when you do that? You just about guaranteed your child's place in hell because God is the ultimate authority. And when we end up with an attitude that God is not being fair to us. I posted something on Apostolic Iron the other day and, and it was about uh, our attitude about God and the way things are and the way they, things were going. And uh, and this guy commented back and says, yeah, life is not fair but God is good. Uh, life is not fair but God is good. Now let's see. God is good, but life is not fair. So my question is this. Is the devil the originator of life? Right? God... <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I didn't know I was going to get to talk on this so quickly again. I'm trying to really quit, but you, you, it's your fault. I was sitting there. I started to say fat, dumb, and happy, but... I'm, I'm happy. The other two are up for debate. <laughs> Everything God allows in my life that reminds me all of this is temporary and not permanent is a tremendous blessing to me. I have not met the person. Now, maybe there's some out there but I have not met the person that their life has gone exactly like they thought it would or like they hoped it would.
I wonder why that is. The man who was the elder who officiated in my ordination service in May of 71, Brother J.T. Pugh, great man of God. Some of you would have heard his name. Maybe a few of you have even heard him preach. Um, I heard him say, <laughs> and as soon as I remember what he said, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> heard him say a lot of things. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's not because I'm 70. That's be, I bet it's been happening a long time. <laughs> Praise God. Don't look so worried. I'm okay. Okay, all right. It'll come back in a moment. The, the thing that is so critical is that you and I understand that we have got to cast ourselves upon him every day. That's not verbiage. If I don't start my day by giving up control to him, I'm not going to like the outcome. Well, pre you're a preacher. You have to. Really? Well, I don't care how old you are, what your situation is. Life happens to us all, doesn't it? <laughs> God has a plan. My father has a plan. My father has a plan. And I can trust him. The problem is when we get out of that plan, it doesn't always work out the way God wanted. Brother Pugh made the statement, I heard him make this statement a couple of times, that for the believer, judgment is going to be, God's going to roll out the blueprint of our lives, how he planned it to go. And then he's going to roll out the transparency of how we lived our lives and see how closely they match up. You know, it had been an easy road for you. You've had a lot of times to give up. But guess what? If you were sitting in this seat with what all is happening for you right now and what's going to happen 20 years ago, ain't nobody could have led you. I don't mean that unkind. And without that covering, you'd ended up lost. But because of what you've gone through, 
because of your experiences, because of your understanding that authority and covering is not there to suppress but to protect. God is on the verge. I mean, all that's been happening, that's wonderful. But, oh, God, what? Is 500 in the next two years too much to believe for? Not from my perspective. But, hey, it would be easy when, by the way, they had 107 this morning. It would be easy. It would be easy when you hit 150 and you hit 200, stick your thumbs in your smelly armpits and crow about how awesome you are and how much, how badly everybody else is doing. But when you've had, it's called seasoning. Seasoning is another way of saying you've gotten your brains beat out many times. Okay, that's seasoning. Now, I don't know, I honestly don't know that I'm not a big steak guy. Hamburger is not steak. And you say, it sure isn't. That's right, it's not. I like hamburger. I don't really care for steak. I know I'm weird. Okay? I know that. I'm a shrimp guy, not a steak guy. I like shrimp. I eat steak when I don't have any other choice. But saying all of that, seriously, usually I'll pick a salad over a steak. It's just me. Hallelujah. I really am not a big meat eater. I just, whatever, I'm a sweet eater. Because I need all of that help I can get. You can laugh, it's okay. I made the joke. Okay. But there's some, they claim there's something about aging the, the, the meat that makes that steak better. I don't understand the difference between aging and rotting. But I, I, do, know that I do know this difference, okay? <laughs> I do know the difference in seasoning, being seasoned and unseasoned. I don't mean with salt and pepper. I'm talking about experience. You got scriptures you can put up here? We do? Well, I can't read them, but I'll see. How about give me, it's your fault. Hey, yeah, you didn't want to preach tonight? Hey, look at that. Came over here not expecting whatever, so you don't ever invite a preacher to say whatever he wants to say or feels to say. You don't do that. He knows better. So I knew when he said that. <laughs> how about Romans chapter 5, verse 1? Let's see how quick you are back there. Andrew, ah, not bad. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We don't stand by our strength, by our ability, by our will. We stand by grace. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in confident expectation that we're going to see God do great things. Next verse. 
And not only so, but we glory. Huh? No, we don't. We complain in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation taxes my patience. Hello? Really? You know what? We read stuff like this. Okay. It's all right. Here we go. Hallelujah. You did hear what Mother Wright said, right? If you like the shorter messages, he just blew it for you. It's his fault. I guess in Lord's, okay. Not only so, but what what kind of talk what what is this? What is, what is this talking about? What does this mean? We glory. The word glory there when we glory, the word is boast. In a lot of situations our boasting is bad. But Paul said if we're gonna if we're boasting, what are we boasting in? Trouble. <laughs> Now, if I'd have asked, how many of you believe the Bible before we went to these scriptures? I'd have got 100%. All the hands would have gone up. How many of us believe the Bible now? We glory in trouble. Why? Because we have experience enough to understand what trouble accomplishes. We glory in, we boast in tribulations. The Greek word there is thalipsis, which means pressure. And figuratively, it's trans, in our day, it's more uh, frequently translated trouble. We boast about our trouble, knowing that trouble works in us, causes to become active in us, tribulation. Uh, patience, excuse me. Patience. Patience doesn't mean Hang on by your fingernails until the end. No. Patience is a beautiful word. Do me a favor. Somebody got a, got a strong, uh, a King James was strong there. I want you to touch on the word patience and tell me what the Greek word is. Who pony? Hop on your pony. I can't help myself. I leaned over to, I leaned over to Brother Mallory while my wife was singing and said, I understand singing to Jesus, but Shirley? We sure sang a lot to Shirley tonight. Sorry, it's just my brain. That's how my wife is used to that. See, that's my way my brain works, you see. Anyway, so, hupomene. You know what the word in the Greek, hupomene means? It comes from two root words. To stay under. In other words, let's go back to verse 1 again. Here's the reason I'm able to stay under. Because I'm justified by faith. That means everything I have ever done when he forgave me, he made it just as if I'd never done it. So I'm not carrying guilt. I'm not. So I've got memories. Those memories only tell me how good God is. My memories, he casts all of my sins behind his back. 
He said, I'll remember your sins no more. Then why does he leave my memories? Not so I can be defeated by them, but so I can always remember what he's done for me. Justified by faith, we have what? We have peace. Oh, Lord have mercy. I've been preaching on peace for 13 years. Since the building collapsed. That's that's the number one thing God blessed me with out of that building collapsing. He taught me how to have peace. Yes, we work through stuff. But the way you know you're growing in God is by your initial reaction. Because as the pastor said tonight, it's not what happened to us we're working through. It's our reaction to what happened that we have to work through. Well, guess what? As you learn how to have peace, you prepare for that every morning. Because you don't wait till the problem arises to seek for peace. You seek for peace at the beginning of your day. And if you learn how to have peace in the morning, we're not to, you don't have to be on your face five hours every morning to get this. But you learn how every morning how to seek peace and have peace. And that way, when stuff happens that, that rocks your world, you're just, you're just enduring. They over-design the stability of warships because they know that unlike commercial vessels which try to avoid storms, warships often are in a situation in a crisis where they can't avoid the storm. In order to fulfill their mission, they have to go through the storm. And as a... uh, new sophomore at the Naval Academy on the cruise between freshman and sophomore year. I was on the destroyer DDH-64 Harold J. Ellison in the North Atlantic. And if you've never been on a 400-foot-long destroyer in the middle of a North Atlantic storm for three days, there is no roller coaster in the world that will ever be anything more than ho-hum. Because the ride's not over with in a couple of minutes. It's 24 hours a day. Seven days. uh, Well, it was three days this time. And that ship, I was down in the that first two weeks on the cruise, I was in the engineering spaces, and I was on duty in one time in the in the boiler room. And uh, I had my back facing one side of the ship, and the boiler was to my right, and all this catwalk and rigging was to my left. And on the cross the across the ship from me was a device called an inclinometer, and it was just basically a 
uh, 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 thing on the wall with a nail at the top and, and it, it stayed perfectly pointing directly down. And as the ship moved, this would move, but it was the ship moving, not the whatever, right? And they told us, now, if it gets to 45 degrees, you may capsize. That means the ship rolls to the side 45 degrees. It's, that's really about the threshold. And I'm sitting there watching it go 38, 41, 40, 37, 31, 45, and you're watching this, and you're you're riding all this, and okay, when's the ride over with? I'm ready to get off this roller coaster. You and you watch these old guys, old salts, the guys that have done this before. They they can walk a straight line with all that going on. Me, I'm holding on to stuff, trying to way, make my way down the passageway, and in the mess hall. On ships, all the edge of the tables is raised above. It's not below. It's uncomfortable to set your arm on there. You wonder, what's this for? Till you're in a storm because you eat out of your tray as it slides by. Because you've got one hand you're holding on with. You can't hold the tray. So you kind of eat out of it as it slides by. Because you, if it's bad enough, you don't care about that tray. You're holding on. And you learn to go with the flow of it. Trust the captain and the designer of the ship to know the limitations on that ship and keep you safe. Do you have a captain you can trust? Someone who's laid out your life? Because that's how you have peace. And you settle that before stuff happens. Because if you have to battle through what you're going through to have peace after it's happened, that can be a difficult process. You know, I believe in prophecy. I believe in words from God. I do. And this church has always encouraged people to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. But it also encourages people to have a prophecy judged. Because some of you have had some sincere people give you a word. And you put all your faith in that word. And it didn't happen. And your world is rocked, isn't it? Ooh. Your world's rocked. Because your word didn't come to pass. Well, <laughs> it's called peace. Every morning I cast all the promises of God to Antioch on God. Here it go. I can't make these happen. I'm not going to worry about these. I can't sweat them. I believe them, but I'm giving them to you. You want them to happen? You're going to have to make them happen. If you got something you want me to do, just tell me and I'll do it. But I can't make this happen. I can't make any of it happen. Small promise, big promise, things makes no difference. You're casting it. So if you're justified by faith and you've learned how to have peace with God, the learning is not to convince him. The learning is how to, is letting him convince you. Oh, 
Jesus. I'm going to go over here and say, see if we get a different, different reaction over here. <laughs> Learning to have peace isn't God, uh, you convincing God. It's you letting God convince you that he can be trusted. Well, things aren't going like I think they ought to go right now. Well, as at the ripe old age of 70, I can't tell you, looking back on it, if there's any day that went like I expected it to. So you know what I've done in my ripe old age? I don't have expectations. I cast. Wherever you're going, that's where I'm going. Whatever you're doing, that's what I'm doing. Whatever you're saying, I'm saying I want to be a part of your life. I don't want you as a part of my life. I want to be a part of your life. I don't want you as a part of my plans. I want to be a part of your plans. Because there's nothing the devil fears more you having in your life than peace. Nothing. And let me tell you something. I know this is going to sound unkind, but it's not. It's the truth. Whether or not you have peace is totally up to you. Okay, Andrew, we're going to put you to the test here, okay? I'm coming right back to that, but let's go to John 16, 33. Last words of Jesus to the apostles before he prayed and then went out and prayed by himself and was taken and crucified these things these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace you might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation be of good cheer have overcome the world trouble is guaranteed trouble is guaranteed peace is not his offer of peace is guaranteed. But having peace is totally up to you. Because he cannot and will not violate your will to give you peace. And you can't have peace without surrendering your will. You can't have it. You can't have it. You know the most amazing thing I've learned God is so, he's the most awesome father there is. I tried to be a good dad, but there was no way for me to see tomorrow or the week after or the month after. So I had to learn. I I can give advice. I can love. I can teach. But I can't make the decisions. I can't make the decisions. Because I don't, the things I think are bad news often changes the perspective enough to guide a son into a situation that's good news. <laughs> I remember the day I came to Joel and said, the Lord has spoken to me. David is supposed to give up Arnold on Sunday mornings and begin to go around because... I'm traveling. I never expected to travel this much. Somebody's got to go around these churches. That's got to be David. He's senior pastor. He needs to be preaching these 
places because there are people going to these Sunday morning services that don't come on Sunday night. So if he's their pastor, they need to see his face, hear his voice. And Joel, the Lord said, you're supposed to take over Arnold on Sunday morning. No way. That's not what I'm called to do. I know, I know. I, we both thought you were called to do something else, but that's what he said. Well, David didn't want to give up Arnold on Sunday morning. He believes he's a pastor, not an overseer. He didn't want to go around preaching all these churches. He wanted to be, have a group that he was a pastor of. That's what he felt he was called to do. But the Lord told me that David was going to go around on Sunday mornings and Joel was going to take over Sunday morning in Arnold. Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, guess what the plan was all about? You say, well, why all the change? Because this last seven plus years was preparation for this. If he hadn't done what he did for the last seven years in Arnold, he wouldn't be anywhere remotely able to lead this. And now David is preaching in Arnold on Sunday morning again. But guess what? If he hadn't gone around to these churches, he would have a much more difficult time of having compassion on and leading those guys that were leading much smaller groups. I didn't see that. In fact, when the Lord began to say, okay, it's time to start a third group. Okay, who's going to lead it? Joel, no, 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 Joel can't lead that. Who's going to lead Arnold on Sunday morning? Well, David, what? He's got to go around to these groups. Who's going to go around to these groups? No, no, this can't be. I, I've got commitments I've made. Well, you're not going all the time. You've got to help. And the very thing that none of us wanted has made all of us happy. Because i got a place at Antioch again other than a name. And now I don't have to worry about stepping on toes to open my mouth. I'm sincere. I did everything I could not to open my mouth on things because you got to give people room. You got to give them opportunity to grow. So Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto me that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation. You got to choose peace. You got to choose peace. Now, how does the, how does the devil attack your peace? What if? What if? What if you're not close to the hospital when it's time for your baby to be born? What if? What if he's, for whatever reason, deployed someplace? What if? What if? What if? What if your cancer came back? What if? He wants to play the what if game, see? Why? It's the only way to attack peace. What if? You can't have play. You can't have peace if you play the what if game. Because we're not trusting humans.
We're trusting Jesus. That's who we're trusting, Jesus. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's getting deep. Yeah. Boy, you had some plans, didn't you? Yeah. Good plans. But if a year ago, two years ago, especially two years ago, if somebody would have told you that you're where you are doing what you're doing, am I understanding correctly? You're not even going to play lacrosse? You made that decision. Am I also understanding correctly? You're now leading the campus ministry at AACC? Yeah. That wasn't your plan. But it was his plan all along. He just nudged a little bit here and nudged a little bit here and closed this door and then made this door difficult to open. And he just, in his mercy, he just lets us bounce off stuff that kind of just guides us wherever. And yet in all that process, see, he's perfectly re- prepared you for this job. You like people, people like you. You got passion. You got fire. And you're not afraid of what people think of you. Perfect combination to be mightily used to God. Brother McGurk told me just a couple of days ago, his greatest, strongest expectation for a move of God this year is not even at the University of Maryland. They had one to get the Holy Ghost there today. It's at Anne Arundel. Because he's that excited about you being there leading it. Is this your plan? No. No, it's not your plan. But it was his plan. And we can fight his plan or we can have peace with his plan. I mean, can you believe you guys are still up here? That's not your plan. It's never been your plan. After all these years, you're still here? And doing better than you've ever done in your lives spiritually. With God got stuff planned you can't even imagine. You see, peace is when we trust that God is truly in control. So, if we go back to Romans 5 and 1, therefore being justified by faith, if God has truly worked in my life and I have trusted him to make it as if I had never done these things. Okay? Then I have peace. Now listen to what else I've got. Next verse. I've got access. (laughs) Access. Access. There are seven who never knock on the door of our house. Never. If the door happens to be unlocked, too bad. They don't consider there's any protocol to knocking on our door. It's my grandmother. My grandfather lives here. That means I have access whenever I want to come over. It's access. 
There's not one of you here would consider walking to my house uninvited. Except for those seven. Why? It's access built on relationship. That's what he wants you to have. He wants you to have faith, which is a which is a product of relationship that gives you access by that faith into grace, the empowerment of his to enable you to, to stand. And we rejoice in the confident expectation that God is with us. Now, there's some of you in these changes, you expected big things for yourself. It hadn't worked out that way, has it? Maybe you had stuff to do someplace else and so far here you don't have anything to do. And there's a few of you struggling with all this. <laughs> How do you know all this? You ever heard a prayer? And so, hey, <laughs> I cast this stuff on the Lord this morning. Lord, I cast this on you. I cast, I cast this person on you. I cast this situation on you. I can't fix this. I don't even know what to do about it. Here it is, here it is, here it is. I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. Access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the, the manifestation of the glory and the power of God. Next verse. Listen. Here is the way we react to stuff once our life is built on the right foundation. Not only so, but we glory, we boast in trouble because no, we know from experience that, tr that trouble works in us the ability to stick it out because the circumstance we're in is not permanent. It's just a situation God's got us in. When I say not permanent, it could be minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, but it's not permanent. Next verse. And patience. Now the word, there's words missing here because of redundancy. Patience works experience. Experience means this isn't my first rodeo. I've been through this before. And God has brought me through situations before again and again and again and again and again. And I haven't always handled those situations well, but I learned through every one of them. And I've come through again and again and again. And so experience, and guess what experience works? Hope, and guess what hope does? Confident expectation keeps me from being ashamed. Well, what is shame? Shame is the product of being or feeling abandoned. Let down that God has failed me. But if I'm going through a difficult situation, I have experience which keeps me going. Because I've got hope that this is not permanent and it's going to all work out. Because God's not going to let me be ashamed. He's going to come through at some point. He's going to come through. 
There's some of you that wish you were married. Some of you wish you weren't. You need staying under power. That's what you need. Staying in it. Staying. You need that because let me tell you something right now. The Bible says whatever state you find yourself in, therein be content. And it's not talking about Maryland or D.C. It's talking about the condition you're in. What your situation is. Whatever, whatever situation or condition you find yourself in, be content. It's a wonderful thing to have high expectations until you let your high expectations refuse the answer God has given you because you can't see that the answer is going to meet your expectations. But when you trust God, you take his answer, even though the answer doesn't appear to be meeting your expectations because he knows how it's all going to turn out. And one day you'll look back and go, wow, this far exceeds my expectations. Even though at the time when the Lord offered it to me, it didn't meet my expectations at all. At all. This is not the, what I wanted. This is not the way I wanted it to go. This is not what I thought was going to happen. This is disappointing. This is, the Lord's letting me down here. I, I expected something much different than this. Really? Really? We have got to understand what faith is. Faith is not me deciding what I want and claiming it from God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema of God. I can ask for anything. And if I'm wise, if I ask for something, I always condition it with, with, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So therefore, I can ask for anything, but I don't get to believe in God for something he's not promised. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So God gives me a word, a promise, or direction, I can ask for that. But I'm not asking anymore. Once God makes a promise to me, I'm supposed to believe it. If I keep asking for what he's already said he was going to give, <laughs> little kids, oh, Lord, have mercy. There's a lot of reasons the Lord said, except we be converted and become little children, we can't enter the kingdom. Don't ever tell a child you're going to do something. Because they believe you. You better mean it. They're not going to let you forget it. Noah had a little set of plastic golf clubs they got him for Christmas. And that wasn't very good. I said, okay, okay, okay. I'll get you a, 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 a miniature set, a child set. They make them for four-year-olds, believe it or not, for your birthday. Well, the idea that that was four months away did not compute. If I was reminded one time, 
I was reminded frequently, you said you would get me golf clubs for my birthday. Is it your birthday? No. Well, okay. What you're doing is you're making me decide I'm not going to get them early even if I would be inclined to. Because I've got to teach you (laughs) what this means. My little contribution here to teaching. If he would have said, thank you, Dad, Dad, for those golf clubs you're going to get me. Oh, buddy, I'd have probably caved in and gone out and got them right then. But no, 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 no. No, no, he's a right, you see. You said, yes, I did. What day is this? Not the day. So when did he get his golf clubs? His birthday. But the bottom line is this. He didn't ask me for the clubs. He kept claiming what was promised. Hello? He never one time said, would you get me a set of golf clubs? He said, you said. That's so simple. We adults don't get it. It's so simple. We don't get it, you see. So, and hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. I'm not sure God loves me. I know he loves me. You know how? What are you doing, brother, right? Talking in tongues? No, experiencing the love of God. That's what I'm doing. I'm experiencing the love of God. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I'm just experiencing the love of God. So if I don't speak in tongues, and I don't pray in tongues, then I can begin to question whether or not I'm loved. And then you know what we do? We begin to throw down a gauntlet. If you really love me, you'd do this. If you really love me, you'd do that. If you really love me, you'd change this. If you really love me. Okay, let's, let's, let's do a little inventory here. He left heaven where everybody obeyed him. Subjected himself to that which he created. Humbled himself enough to be born in the form of a baby with messed up diapers and everything. You imagine that? The king of kings, the lord of lords in a baby's body with burp all over the place and messed up diapers? Hello? Yeah. Then he grows up and he goes about doing all this good stuff and what do they want to do because of it? They want to kill him. So he willingly submits to being crucified in my place, in your place. And then he ascends into heaven and several days later he pours out the Holy Ghost
And we still can receive the Holy Ghost today. And that's the inventory that says how much God loves me and re- me requiring him to do anything else to, de- to demonstrate his love is unbelief. So in the midst of my worst trial, when I don't know what to say, I know how to experience the love of God. When I don't even feel like praying, when the weight of the world is crushing me, if I'll just let his love flow, and as I let that go, my spirit begins to lift. The weight begins to rise off of me. Peace begins to come because I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. Did y'all see preacher right this evening? He met me at the door so he could show me how he was dressed and then mirrored me the whole time till church started. He wanted to sit by me on the platform because he was dressed like a preacher. Yeah. Y'all ever heard his story? Ooh, you've never heard his story? Seriously. Oh, God. It's your story to tell. You'll have to fix what's wrong. Not my fault. You said whatever I feel to say. And I say whatever you want to say, Jesus. Okay. Oh, not too long. It, I, actually, I guess they talked about it before they got married, but they, they decided. Two children, that's it. Two children. We're going to have two children. We're going to have one boy and one girl. Well, they got the girl out of the way. So that means the next one's got to be a boy. Well, there was a second pregnancy. And it was waited long enough for the sonogram. I didn't go. My wife went. And she texts me and she says, Ooh, it's not, not good here right now. It's a girl. Not because they were opposed to their, I mean, charity's beautiful and sweet and all that. That's not the problem. They planned, they planned for two children, one girl and one boy. And now they're, they, they're never going to have a boy because we're only having two children. I'm telling on you, Pastor. Two, we're only having two. It was one of the most gut-wrenching days of my life. He came to the house and we sat and I watched him grieve over the hope of ever having a son. All the stuff he wanted to do with a son. And I won't go into all that, but it was a very painful day. His pain was just amazing. And... uh over the course of time, they made peace with that, and Charity was born, so they've got two beautiful girls, and here we go. And so life is now set. 
Okay, we wanted a boy and a girl, but we've got our two. We are done. If you say that loud enough, maybe he would have listened. He didn't listen. So in June of 2011, (laughs) yeah, I'd hide if I was you too. That's okay. They're in Singapore doing a youth deal for Asia. Brother Willoughby, who is an apostle of God, had brain cancer. It was on heavy medication. And they went to his house to see him. And they were told, don't expect much because he's, he's on heavy medication. He's not himself. And they walk in and sit down. And there he's sitting and he's out of it. And just like that, he comes totally coherent and says, uh, I probably am not doing this exactly right. Y'all should have given this testimony. Not my fault. You'll have to fix it later. He comes, becomes totally coherent, and he says, uh, how many children do you have? We, have? we have two girls. Well, this morning, I saw you holding a little boy. few years old and he goes on to describe in detail all of it he gave all kind of details for instance something along the line I don't remember exactly how it was put but your first sonogram they're going to find a problem but don't be afraid it's going to be okay first sonogram the doctor said whoa this is not good not sure if he's going to be healthy next time there was no sign of it So the point I'm making is, you plan two children, one boy, one girl. You end up with two girls and okay, I'm going to settle because we only want two children. And God says, you know your plan, not my plan. Well, for all of you who's had two children, added a third one, that it's, Challenge enough to have two, but three? <laughs> We'd already been through this once, you see, because David had two girls and added a boy. And there's just something about male with two older sisters. Ooh. One sister always ends up being the motherer, and the other always ends up being the adversary. And sometimes they switch them. Okay, and the male is going to prove I may be the youngest, but I'm not the lowest in the pecking order around here. And that you know what's amazing? That starts so early in them that you have to believe God is responsible for some of that. And here they sit, see. Well, now they're pastoring with three children and one of them is him hey bud I was glad you were dancing tonight because there wasn't anybody else in this place dancing and you know what that tells me you must be have some other some other blood from somebody else in it because I don't have rhythm like that I can't do what he was doing 
Now, his dad can, but I can't. So I don't know if his dad got that from his mother or somebody on your side got some of that rhythm, but not me. Oh, Lord Jesus, I look like a (laughs) spastic trying to do the Pentecostal two-step. I envy that. Both of my sons, they got, they got a little bit of something going on. I never have had that. I don't, I don't know how they, I don't know where that came from. I don't have it. I envy it, but I don't have it. I, I guess God made me this way. I mean, my namesake over there, Lord have mercy. I, the Lord looked away when he was pouring that in there. So, oops, oh, whoa, 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 can't get it out now. Isn't that right, man? <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Chester David, right? Well, Joel was a baby. How old are you? 28, see. He didn't name me No. Uh, in case you didn't know that, he's at, named after me and David. Truly. So there's three Chesters in the house. No, that's not only two here, but three at Antioch. The other Chesters having a whole lot of fun being in social media with the name Chester Wright. Because people think the bishop is spying on their social media. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus. Happiness is not the result of circumstances. It's not. Happiness is a result of trusting in a father who is absolutely in control, even when nothing is going like you'd like to see it go. My wife prayed for a husband. She never expected to be stuck with this. I'm going to tell you that right now. Lord, have mercy. The Lord made her one way. He made me so different than that. I don't know how in the world she puts up with it. Except that I know this. If she wasn't a part of this equation to take care of all that stuff that matters not at all to me, our life would be a mess. The only reason that stuff matters to me is because it matters to her, literally. The only reason that stuff matters to me is because it matters to her. Because if you're leaving it up to me, I could care less. And I told her, told the Lord when she was sick, I said, now, Lord, you have promised. I had a place in this end time revival. And I believe that I'm going to live to the rapture. I believe that with everything in me. Slight problem, Lord. I can't live to the rapture and do all the stuff you want me to do if she's not going to be a part of this because I can't do what she does for this partnership. 
I don't have that ability. And I'm not looking for a replacement because there's nobody could replace doing what she does to keep this thing afloat. Are you the head of your house? Absolutely, 100%. And I couldn't tell you how much money we've got. I don't know what our, what bills we have due. I don't even know where the stuff is stored. Yeah, she said that's bad business. No, he gifted her to do that. It matters to her. She does it. And it keeps my mind free and clear. Well, I thought you said you were the head of the house. Absolutely. And she pays all the stuff that we have agreed that she pays. And if there's something that comes along that needs to be discussed, then we discuss it. But I trust her because God trusted her to me and me to her. Now, you may not be in a situation yet where you can see it with his eyes. You may still be looking at your mate with your eyes. I didn't see all of that in the beginning. In fact, I was kind of slow. It took me 10 years before I began to see our differences were the plan of God, and he made it like this. I know this is different tonight. I understand that. It wasn't my plan. And I, I'm not being facetious here. But there are some things that have been said here tonight that if I walked up to you in private and began to explain these things to you, you wouldn't even believe how close it is. And all over this room, I can feel it. This has been very personal for the great, great majority of you. This isn't some message that's been shooting over the heads, bouncing off the wall. This is very personal stuff. You know the other thing I respect about her so much? She let me be the dad. I can't tell you the number of times I've seen kids absolutely ruined because dad stood back and wouldn't contend with the the mother to be the dad. The oh here we you say, boy, you're all over the place. No, I'm not. I got you want me to call names? I'm not bouncing, I'm not just shooting off my mouth. The mother nurtures until puberty. But puberty changes everything in a human. And in order to guide that child through learning how to deal with puberty and become the person God wants them to be, it takes the authority of a dad, not the nurturing and protection of a mother who is trying to spare her children from all of her hurts. Because you just ruined your kid. And it'll be the mercy of God if they survive spiritually. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm telling you the truth. My wife trusted me to be a dad. There's, 
I preached in Eastern Shore this morning. You know the last thing she said to me? Wasn't, have good church, preach good. No, 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 no. Hold my baby for me. I've been gone. I hadn't seen Jason Wharton, her nephew, my nephew by marriage. I hadn't seen their baby, their little boy, Caleb. I hadn't seen him. She came here. I go to Eastern Shore. I obey my wife. I hold him for a good long time. Sweet kid. But let me tell you something. I don't have to tell this group of people that's been around here very long. There's probably no more nurturing mother in existence. Oh, Lord, have mercy. She's driven me up the wall with her nurturing at times. You've heard me tell the story. He was four. He knew he had an end with her. He was the baby. He was alpha, or excuse me, omega. He knew, he figured out really early, she wasn't having any more. I have got an end forever. And so, I'm trying to teach him how to tie his shoes. He was four years old. We're going someplace. He comes to me and pops that foot up there. I'm quoting exactly. Boy, how many times have I showed you how to do that? Now tie your shoe. Before I knew what was happening, she knelt down, tied both shoes while I'm standing with my my mouth wide open. And he's kind of giving me that look like... (laughs) I won. There will be a day. You're four. It's okay for you to win now. She's a nurturer. But when they turned 13, she trusted me to do what was necessary to help them become men. And there were days it wasn't pretty. And she never corrected me in front of them. She never voiced her opinion about what I said or did in front of them, ever. We had a few animated conversations in private. And I appreciated her concern. But I was doing my job. She did her job, did it well. It was my job to make men out of those boys. That was my job. And I I appreciated her trusting me to do that. And if you've been around here long, you know neither one of my sons were perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But God in his mercy saw us through all that. What about you? Since you're not a preacher, God doesn't have any plan for you. Quote, unquote. Or does God have a plan for your life? Well, I married for love, and look how it turned out. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. You married for a romantic fantasy. I've never married two people in 40 
six years that were in love. I married a whole bunch of people who thought they were. Because you can't marry somebody till after you, or you can't love somebody till after you've lived with them a while. Because you'll never know that person till you've lived with them a while. And you can't love somebody you don't know. You're only loving a fantasy. So if you're not going to let God make that choice, you're not liking the outcome. If you're not submitting that choice to him, you're not liking the outcome. Oh, praise God. I don't have an iPad up here to check see what time it is. Oh, Lord. I got a feeling this is the last time you're going to do that. From now on, you're going, you're going to go, well, it's good to have the bishop in the house. Welcome, bishop. Now, <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I know we haven't received the offering either, have we? See, that's the thing that let me know he kind of only basically meant what he said. And I stumbled around all over myself until I said, okay, Lord, okay. If there's something here, fine. If there's not. And guess what? Just it went boom. There it was, wasn't it? See, there's some things I can say he can't say. This gray hair and shining palette in places gives me the say it gives me the right to say some things that all that spiked hair back there doesn't give him. It doesn't give him the right to say that. Trust me, when I was his age I tried to say it. People let me know I didn't have the right to say it. With her attitude and response, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I preached it last Sunday night. I'm going to say it again to you tonight. If you are fantasizing about a utopian world that lets you continue just to worry about what you're going to end up being and doing, how your life is going to turn out, your Prince Charming is going to come by or your Sleeping Beauty Princess is going to show up or some other fairy tale and your life is going to turn out to be happily ever after why don't they ever describe that happily ever after why don't they ever show the pictures of the prince and the princess when they get 40 when they turn 50 They say happily ever after because they want you to fill in the blanks. They don't want any responsibility for that. But the Lord doesn't do that, does he? You're in this place. And the Lord has plans for you. If you're a first-time visitor, I can say with a certainty, God has plans for you. He created every individual with a plan for them. God has a plan for you. The question is whether or not you're going to trust him to fulfill that plan through you or you're going to come up with your own plan try to make things go the way you want it to go. Which, which are you going to do? God in his mercy never stops teaching those who will never stop learning. 
God in his mercy never stops teaching if we will never stop learning. God in his mercy never stops teaching if we will never stop learning. Praise God. Father, we love you. We thank you for your blessings, your goodness, your mercy. We thank you for this opportunity. Jesus' name, speak to us in a word in our heart and spirits that we we will take with us when we leave this place, that we cannot go without it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. What's your decision? Do you decide to have peace? Or do you decide to wrestle with God over the control of your life? Do you choose peace? Or do you choose to submit to God over who controls your life? What's your choice? What's your choice? In the name of Jesus. We're not doing it. If if the pastor wants to do an altar call, when I turn it to him in a minute. But right now, just just where we are, without without the disturbance of moving as far to the front or whatever. Right now, where you are. Some of you, I know your story. Some of you I do not. I can only feel in your spirit. There's oh, not a whole lot of people sitting here tonight. They're in a situation that's exactly like you would choose for it to be if it was your choice. Guess what? Your will is your choice. The circumstances are His. They're His choice, not yours. How you react to what God has done and is doing, that's your choice. That's your choice. What you're going to react to, what has happened, good and bad, as we would call it, good and bad, that's not your choice. You don't have any say over what's coming. Your Heavenly Father has all that planned. The question is, what are you going to do about it? What's going to be your attitude? What's going to be your spirit? What's going to be your response to it? Are you going to trust Him? Are you going to learn to trust Him? Or is your life going to be a remote roller coaster? Up when things are going well and down when they're not. And up when they go turn around and get better and down when they turn around and get worse. Is that, the, is that the life you want to live? Is that the life? No. No, I decided several years ago I didn't like that life anymore. It's, it's not a fun life to live. It's not a happy life to live. I want to trust God. I got off the emotional roller coaster of reacting to stuff and got on the rock get off the roller coaster and get on the rock get off the roller coaster and get on the rock let's 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 just talk to him one more time Jesus name Jesus name through it all Jesus name Jesus name Jesus name Praise God. Praise God. 
Praise God. Why don't you just stand right where you are. Just stand, lift your hands, and just thank the Lord right now. Can you do that? Come on, let's just thank Him. It doesn't have to be loud. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just thank Him. Can we do that? If there were things that were said tonight that pricked your heart, some things that were said you may not have liked in your flesh, but your spirit knew, God, you're speaking to me. Thank Him for that. Say, Lord, thank you that you love me enough not to tell me what I need to hear, what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. We thank you for that tonight. Thank you for your word you've spoken, Lord, in this place. Thank you for the challenge of your word. Thank you for the confirmation of your word. Lord, I speak in this place tonight. The spirit of peace, let it rest upon us. Let your spirit of peace be upon us. Let us walk in that. And Lord, on the days that we don't understand, give us the grace, Lord, to cling to your peace. Let your peace be our ruler, our guide. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're going to do we're going to do it a little different tonight. The ushers are going to be standing by the door and you're not going to be allowed to leave until you give. Joking. But they're going to be standing by the door. Uh it if you would help us as quickly as we could do this, we could get this done in just a few minutes. But the ushers are going to pray, Lord, ask you Lord to bless this offering for your people and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, and if they live without giving, Lord, let their car not start. Let their tire be flat, and let them get lost on the way home. And if they give because they don't have it, but they go home and get something at McDonald's on the way home, let the food make them sick. No, I'm just joking. In Jesus' name, amen. Help us. We can do this in just a few minutes if you give us a hand. Amen. God bless you.